Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. This is the podcast that I started seven years ago, and now almost 700 episodes where I talk to people about how we can shake things up and make waves in business so that everyone can be more successful. And today, we are going to talk about connections and why they matter and how people can be more successful and companies can be more successful when people create better connections. And my guest is John Nepper. Now, before we get started, John, I have a question for you. John, what do you think is the number one trait of successful business people? I really think the number one trait of successful business people is their ability to connect and make people feel like the contribution they're making to the organization, to the team, to the client, to the customer, that it's really validated and acknowledged for what they do. And a true leader in business can make that happen. Well, that's great because that's going to fit very well with what we're going to talk about on today's episode. So first of all, everybody, today's episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build out their senior leadership teams. You can learn more at stantonchase.com or you can contact me directly because I work with Stanton Chase. All right. So John, if you don't know John Nepper, let me tell you about him. So John is a speaker, and he speaks mainly to educators and administrators, but also to companies about how to create more connections. He loves this whole concept about connecting and really believes that it is the key to finding more success. So John, how in the world did you even get involved with this type of work? Well, I was an educator for 35 years, and I found that, you know, I was a band director, and the one thing I had to work on was technique with the kids, the students to get them to play better. But where I really started seeing success was when I started connecting with them, learning their stories. And I have a friend who's a cardiologist who teaches his medical students. If you want to learn more about medicine, you have to learn your patient's stories. And I thought, that's brilliant for me as an educator to be a better teacher. I have to learn my students' stories. And I became really passionate about connecting with them in a way that would inspire them to to play well, make mistakes, explore their music, and still come out on the other side with their dignity intact. Honestly, I, I wish I would, could say I was really good at that 100%, but I had to learn just like everybody else did. Well, it's interesting when you go back to this whole idea of high school, right? Many of us look back and we had that one teacher who took the time to look beyond the pimply faced kid and really understand who that person was, get to know him better. And that's how, you know, lives were changed for so many people is they had somebody who got to know them and, and, and really believed them. So how do you think that translates from the world of education to the world of business? 
Well, I think that you're right. First of all, I, I was fortunate enough to work with several band directors who shaped my life, who believed in me, who gave me the support I needed, kind of the direction I needed, and a way to be successful at what I was really, really passionate about. And at the time was playing trombone. I still am. But that translates in the business world when I think when leaders take an interest and they see people's potential and they say, look, I can, I can work with you to really get you to your greatest potential. Here's things I see that you might need. I think that's leadership. Now, clearly it's not a, a leader's responsibility to do all of that themselves, but they can push a person, guide a person into the right direction where they're going to get the, the support they need, the acknowledgement they need and the encouragement they need. So it's interesting. I didn't play an instrument uh, in, in high school or really any time ever. Uh, I did try to play the clarinet in middle school and failed miserably. Uh, but I have, I have a brother who's a saxophone player. So there's, there's some musical talent in the family. I just didn't get any of it. But I have a lot of friends, both who I went to high school with and then people I met later, who were super involved in band. And the people who were involved in marching band who really got into it and really built relationships with, uh, you know, their band directors and, and their teachers, but also with each other. A lot of those people come out with really strong leadership qualities and really long lifetime uh, relationships. So one of the things I teach when I speak is that we build relationships through shared experiences. So why do you think so many people look back so fondly on their high school and or college marching band days? And why do you think that marching band has taught people so many leadership skills? Well, I'd like to tell you it was the music, but we know differently. You know, the thing that I learned when I was teaching is that the number one reason kids come to school is for the activities and for those activities like band, like choir, like orchestra, like drama, like art, because um, they're there with their friends or they're making friends and they're involved in something that allows them to be successful and explore those things. But it's the camaraderie thing. You know, I look back, I am still really great friends with people that I was in junior high school band with. Uh, in fact, I've created several businesses with some of those people uh, because we knew each other, because we had a shared experience. You know, and being involved in music, being involved in, uh, I was in marching band for a while, but I was also in jazz ensemble, concert band, orchestra, and still play. It's the um, the discipline and that comes along with that that I think has helped people create successful businesses and have successful careers because they have the self-discipline. And I think for a lot of people, they, they get the connection piece. So I, I have a niece who was in the drum corps when she was in high school and uh, neither of my kids played an instrument. And I'm going to be really honest. I was actually thankful to my children that they were not in band because I watched the amount of time <laughs> that, uh, you know, my niece's family put into everything that was involved in, in, in being in, uh, both drum corps and she was in drums in the concert band and things like that. So do you think that that level of commitment that it takes to be truly world-class in band or in any of these activities that, that we mentioned, do you think these are things that are slipping away as we move in society down the road that we're, we're cherishing band and drama and art and, and that at the junior high and high school level, are we cherishing that less and is it going to hurt the next generation of leaders? That's a really great question, Tom. And I, the district I taught in is not seeing that. There were times when they threatened the program and band parents came out in mass 
And the school board said, that's enough. We, we got it. We hear you. And so that program has survived. I know there are times when the first, when budget cuts are, are hitting hard, one of the first places they look is, is the art and music programs. But I think when people really understand, you know, somehow that doesn't necessarily translate to dollars very well. But I think when people understand the value of those programs, they want their kids involved in those. Because like I say, the, the self-discipline skills, the, the people skills, the creating and art skills. I think people really want their children to be well-rounded like that. And it pays off in adulthood. So why are you so passionate about everything that, that you speak about when it comes to this whole idea of, of connecting, making the world a better place? Yeah, well, the, the first one is a, an experience I had from my first lesson with my trombone teacher. He was, uh, his name was Johnny Hemkiss. Uh, he was a legend, like, you know, the guy had to be seven foot tall and four foot wide. And uh, I was so nervous, but I got into that lesson. He knew it. He said, look, he said, you call me Johnny, I'll call you John, and we're going to get along fine. And the thing I got right there is that music was really about connection. Um, but I've had experiences along the way where all the way through, like when people were believing in me and connecting and finding out my story, I was inspired to be more connected. And um, I think there's something that's seriously missing. Uh, you know, we're looking at this, what do they call it, the great resignation right now. Because people are leaving. They're leaving their jobs. People are leaving teaching um, because it's hard and they're not necessarily getting the support and the connection that they need to want to stay. And I think there's a real need. I I had experiences along the way, like I say, where people supported me. I had some experiences where people didn't, where I didn't feel listened to, where I felt like what I had to say didn't matter. And I just, what people have to say, ideas, opinions, thoughts, strategies, whatever it is, wherever it translates in in whatever business it is, when they're encouraged to say those things um, or bring those things out, they feel like it matters. They feel like their opinion matters, that who they are matters, and they're inspired to stay. They're inspired to work to their best abilities. I've, I've got this mission, too, about creating a joyful world by maximizing the best of human potential. And it fit perfectly as a music educator, but it also fits when people are looking, how do you, how do you bring people to their greatest potential? And I'm just really passionate about doing that with people. So how do you bring people to their greatest potential? Well, I believe, I know I keep saying it over and over, but it really is how you connect, how you, you know, um, how you make them feel like they, like what they're doing is important. And, Part of that comes from learning their stories. You know, we all have stories. The big stories are easy. The the weddings, the bar mitzvahs, the funerals, those things are easy because they're out there. What we don't necessarily see are the stories from last night at the dinner table or discussions between spouses or difficulties with the problem child at school or someone who's got a medical diagnosis they just found out about or financial issues. It'd be great. If they walked up to the door, left them at the door, did the work, and then picked them up on their way home, but they don't. And I think sometimes when a leader can say, you know, look, I, I think I can tell there's something going on. You want to talk about it. Sometimes it's all it takes. Sometimes it's just having somebody notice. But you can really build relationships with people in one, two, or three minutes. You don't have to be a therapist, a counselor, any of that, because none of us really have time for that unless we're trained for that. But in just a couple of minutes, you can find out things that 
You learn people's stories that you can come back later and say, how's that going? I know you're having trouble. Take the time you need, whatever it is. Um, and, and I get it too. In business, the bottom line is making more profits. But if people are feeling like what they do counts, they're going to be more inspired to do better. And if they never feel heard, they never feel seen, they don't feel like they matter, I think that's a disconnect. So I think people will, I think they'll show up because they've got bills to pay, but it might, might not be the most fulfilling job they're, they're wanting to do because they're not getting recognized for it. So you bring up this great resignation that we're going through across business lines, and you speak a lot to educators and administrators, and I know that that world is getting hit really hard with people just throwing up their hands saying, I'm done. Like, I just don't want to, I'm not paid enough, I'm not appreciated enough, I'm out. So what is it that you talk to these organizations about to try and make make things better? Well, I have, a, I have several different things that I talk about. One of the things is what I call the art of engaged conversation, and it is exactly what we've been talking about finding out, inviting people to step into your listening. And what I mean by that is just when they step into my listening, I'm listening to them different than when I step into theirs, where I'm expecting them to listen to me. So I know a lot of times going to the administrator's office, the principal's office as a teacher, there was a cell phone, there was a laptop, excuse me, there was a laptop, there was a telephone or a secretary. There, There were interruptions all the time. And I didn't feel what I had to say was important. So I was discouraged. So I talk about how to do that, why people's stories matter, about uh, how to just simply ask different kinds of questions. Close-ended questions give us a yes or no answer. They don't go anywhere. Open-ended questions really invite the person to think about or to explore what they, what they think, what they feel, what's important to them. So some of that is just learning to have those conversations. And I get an interesting response. People say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great reminder. You know, I know that. My response to that is, so then why aren't you doing it? Because it's a, it's a disconnect. And that's one of the things I talk about. Um, I do uh, a program, too, about team building. I call it the leadership, leadership adventure. It gets a bad rap. But team building, first of all, people find out that fun is not a four-letter word. And... Uh, the thing I learned when I was uh, training to be a facilitator was that um, the activity is 25%. The debrief is 75%. So in that 75% debrief, people get to hear the voice. They get to, again, explore in a, uh, what, in a setting that's safe to, to figure out what they really believe about things or what, you know, to find, find their own leadership potential. Um, so I talk about why that's important, why it matters, and why I think leaders should be finding ways to work in some team building. Like I say, fun is not a four-letter word. <laughs> you know, for me, it's really all about ways we communicate with other people and ways we communicate with ourselves. You know, that whole negative soft self-talk piece. Um, I work really hard to eliminate that. And that's one of my favorite programs that I do. It's called Creating Peak Experiences and Beyond. And it's about how the language we use really affects our mindset. So if we want to change our mindset, we have to change the language. And, you know, the whole self-talk piece uh, sabotaged a, a good portion of my adult life until I learned to hear that voice and take it out of that context and change things around so it was really more positive self-encouragement. Hmm, that's I awesome. I the because of that. 
<laughs> so I've got a few more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and talking to people who are making waves like John Nepper. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that many of you out there do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. All right, so John, you brought up this whole idea of negative self-talk, and I always find that really interesting. You sort of shared that, you know, you struggled with it. I know I've struggled with it, and I think most people, whether they admit it or not, run into that thing where they think, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I don't belong in this crowd, everybody's judging me. So in your in your peak experiences and beyond uh, uh, program that you do, how do you help people get past the negative self-talk and either get neutral or positive? Great question, Tom. You know, there's there's a lot of that talk that goes on under the radar. Like, it's there all the time. And we're so good at adapting to things that we really are not hearing it. We don't know it's there. We don't, we don't pay attention to it because it's not at a conscious level. Um, one time I commented that I, I wanted to sing like Josh Groban. And the other person said, so why don't you? And, and my <laughs> comment in my head was, I, I can't do that. But all of a sudden I was aware of that. <clears throat> and I became aware of my own negative self-talk as I was trying to learn to windsurf in Jamaica. Simple activity. I'm not a windsurfer, but I kept telling myself over and over that it was, I was no good. It was a stupid idea. It was, what was I thinking? This red speedo was a bad idea. You know, all of that. Okay. That might've, that might've been a bad idea, but go on. That, that might've been a bad idea. There's a, there's a mental image there. But the thing that I started to realize and what I tell people is like, you can't make any changes at all until you're aware of it. You know, there's no change without awareness and there's no awareness without intention. So if, People all of a sudden go, okay, so maybe I do have this negative self-talk thing. The first thing I say is just start paying attention. You know, you get up in the morning with the intention of listening because we have that self-talk going all the time. Start paying attention to it. What are you hearing? And then write it down. You know, you know, people talk about this all the time, but the trick again is to do it. Write it down and people will go, oh, I don't say that. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you're just not aware that you're actually saying things to yourself that you wouldn't say to your worst enemy. So it's like, okay, negative self-talk, write it down, but don't judge it. And then I tell people now change it to a positive, you know, so I'm really stupid becomes I'm a wizard. I'm a genius. And it sounds simple, but again, people forget to do that. And I always say, you know, I'm ugly turns into standing tall, looking good. I ought to be in Hollywood. You know, so it's it's changing it. And then there's another thing that I encourage people to do, that when they change those thoughts to positive statements, say the positive statement and then smile. They're like, why? I said, well, first of all, people are going to wonder what you're up to. And second of all, they're going to want what you have. And third of all, when you smile, you're sending a message that says this statement is a good statement. This is something that you want to believe in because the smile releases all those feel-good chemicals, you know, the serotonin and the um, dopamine. Um, 
And I, I remember too, I was walking to an event and I was nervous, upset, tense. There's a lot of stress. And I started this whole smile thing from the room I was in, walking down the hall. I just said, smile, it's going to be okay. This is going to be great. By the time I got to the main concert hall, I felt amazing. I felt I felt like I had transformed that whole mood simply by re, readjusting and incorporating kind of those little strategies that I just talked about. So they've done they've done research. I I haven't, but they've done research on the fact that if you smile, it it changes all the chemical reactions in in everything. Do you do you have some of that knowledge? I don't have statistics, but I know the research has been done, and I I do know that uh, there is scientific hard empirical data that says those kinds of things do change your outlook. They do change your whole, your health, your physical, your mental health, all of those things. It does. It works. All right. So John shifting gears, how does one go from being a high school band director to being a motivational speaker? When I was a sophomore in high school, I was part of the student council group. They sent me to a workshop at Greenlight, Wisconsin. There was a man there and, um, Right now, I'm sorry, his name is leaving me, but he was big in student council world. And uh, he was up on stage having a good time. We were laughing. We were crying. He told stories that I still relate to and still tell. And so years later, when I started pursuing this speaking, I went, wow, this is where it started. (laughs) Because he was so impactful and making us see that we had such potential, even as student leaders, that I can honestly say that talk in some way changed my life. So you speak, you know, not exclusively, but mainly with educators and administrators. What do you wish every educator and every administrator knew? And why should they all hire you? I wish they knew that their words, their attitudes, their ways of dealing people really impact others. That the more aware they can become about how they present to other people, the the better chance they have of creating success with their teachers, creating success with their teams, <clears throat> creating success with their students. Um, because we, again, like I say, we kind of go, we get numb to all of those things. We're not aware of it. Well, the more aware you become, the easier it is to, to change that. And I think it's one of those things where, First of all, when people are locked into the negative self-talk thing, I hear it right away. Like, I'm, I'm always to the to go to this point. Like, you know, if you could just change that, you would make a difference. I see almost automatically when there's a disconnect between leaders and the people they're leading, simply by the things they're saying. You know, language has become such a focus for me that I know that's where the change comes, and I know it so thoroughly that. I know I could make an impact with companies just presenting those ideas about communication. So if somebody wants to find you, where do they find you? At johnnepper.com, J-O-H-N-N-E-P-P-E-R.com. And there's two ends there. And uh, that's the best place to find me. You can also find me at John Nepper Speaks on Facebook and at my LinkedIn page as well. Awesome. Well, John, thanks for coming on Making Waves at Sea Level. I appreciate you. Any last words? Yes. I believe that if we live right, we think right, we do things to create higher levels of trust and connection, that that is going to be our legacy. And that's what we should be working for. Awesome. Thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this podcast? 
Do me a favor. If you like the show, go tell a friend. People who tell me that they like the podcast, I say, how did you find my little show? They always say it was somebody recommending it. It was their mom. It was their boss. It was their coworker. Somebody who said, hey, this show is right in line with stuff you like to hear. So if you know somebody who would benefit from being part of the Making Waves at Sea Level community, please check it out. You can find out more information about me at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. Make sure that you're listening to Making Waves at Sea Level. And if you're in the speaking business, you want to make sure that you're listening to Speakernomics, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association, uh, which I am the host of that show as well. All right. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as John And you're thinking, what? How will you ever find anybody as cool as that band director turned speaker? Hey, we do it twice a week right here on Making Waves at Sea Level. In the meantime, go out there, flex your business muscles. Make sure your career ladder is in the right place because you don't want to climb the career ladder and find out you were doing it in the wrong place. I know because I did that for a long time. And then while you're out there doing all the stuff you have to do, have some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.